if instead of spending your time for money, if you invest your time to buy, build, or create assets that generate money, that's the pathway to financial freedom. The older I got, the more I realized how few people understood that concept. And so my favorite word on earth, assets. Most favorite phrase on earth, assets are sexy. Assets are sexy, that's what I'm talking about. So today, we've got the one and only Sharon Lecter, and Sharon is a financial literacy expert, okay? We're talking about mm -hmm. cash flow, okay? Uh -huh. This is your expert, all right? She's a keynote speaker and a New York Times best-selling author with over 30 million books sold. You guys, woo, 30 million, good Lord. She's advised two U.S. Face. presidents on the topic of financial literacy and co-authored the international best-selling Rich Dad, Poor Dad and 14 other books in the Rich Dad series. Let's give a warm, who you know, welcome, Sharon Lecter. All right, Sharon. All right, Sharon. Thank oh, you for joining. Man. Hey guys, so delighted to be with you. In oh my Paradise goodness. Valley, Arizona, we love it. We're so excited. I can't even believe it. Like, okay, first of all, I'm just, we haven't even started the show, but 30 million books sold, mic drop. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> like, that's incredible. Okay, I gotta know, because you've written a lot of books. How, how many, okay, we know how many of you sold, but how many have you written? 26. Cool. Yeah, 26 books. <laughs> Kind of get into the habit of it. You know what you're doing, huh? Yeah, I think so, maybe. But, you, know, you, you finish one and you get an idea for the next there one. It just kind of keeps going. There you go. Wow. I got to do my one. That's incredible. Well, yeah. I just have to say, like, there are people that do it and then there are people that do it big. So I just, I appreciate um, excellence when I see it. Mm -hmm. So when did you start your entrepreneurship journey? Like, when did you start that and why? Why did you start it? Well, I actually grew up in a very entrepreneurial home. We lived in a small house between my dad's used car lot and my mother's beauty shop. All right. We, we had real estate properties that had scrub out bathrooms between tenants at the age of 10. And we had orange groves. So I was I was raised in this building assets, buy, build, or create assets. I thought everybody understood that. <laughs> but it, then I had my friends whose parents were military officers or CEOs, and I'm going... I want to be a sophisticated professional. So I decided I didn't want to do the entrepreneurial stuff. I wanted to be a professional. So I got my degree in accounting. I was one of the very first women in public accounting in the hot city of Atlanta, Georgia. Nice. And loved it, was doing really well. And about the ripe old age of 25, I was like, I wasn't in control of my own life. I was working on godly hours. And I finally said, Oh, I imagine. My parents started looking a whole lot smarter. <laughs> I said, I, I, maybe this entrepreneurial thing is something I need to look back into. And so I left public accounting and never looked back at the age of 25, started my entrepreneurial career. Wow. What did you, what did you start? Like, what was your first entrepreneurial great question? Venture? Great question. I had one of my clients was buying a company out of bankruptcy and he came to me and said, Sharon, I really want you to, to help me do this and you know, own a piece of the rock. And I still remember going back to my condo. This was well before PCs or cell phones. Oh, and I had the old times. yellow, the yellow legal pad, pros and cons. <laughs> oh, right? nice. 
I could. It didn't help me a bit. I could argue both sides. But my <laughs> hand took off across the top of the page and wrote, why not? Ooh. And that is still my philosophy today. Hey, hit it with that mic drop. Mic drop there we go. That one. What do you have to lose, right? Um, well, I mean, a lot to lose, but a lot to gain, and you'll never, you're never going to know until you take the plunge. All right. So I've Why got not a- take that path less traveled? Why not solve a problem or serve a need? And that's still my mantra today. Amen. I love that. There's I've got a, a lot of on, blessing on that path lot tra- less traveled. I, I've got a question on, uh, so you, you've obviously been very successful selling books, and you've been doing it for a long time, 26 books. Um, and I'm just curious... What was it like selling books before Amazon, before the internet, before, like, what was it like, like, how, I mean, before technology, right? Like, what was it like selling books back then? Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah. Well, bar- it, yeah. If you came to my home in Paradise Valley, I'd show you my, the, the table, my big table, which oh. was where we launched Rich Dad, where I launched Laurel Langemeyer, Greg Reed, many, many country co- companies before Amazon and the internet. So it was, I, the old days of fax machines, remember those? <laughs> oh my we God. Would do, we would do radio interviews and this, oh. because we didn't have a, a big presence yet, they would have to go look up where to buy Rich Dad, Poor Dad ah. or Cashflow Quadrant. And overnight I'd get faxes ordering one book to go to nebraska one book to go to georgia oh my god no we way. sold the first million books off my dining room table no oh my goodness way. Nice. Like that. Wow. i'd wake up in the morning and i had to have a stack of faxes and we'd package them up and get them out my local post office at one point said, Sharon, you just, we, we can't handle your volume. <laughs> so that's when I started creating the systems. We found a company to help us do it. And because um, we wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad as a brochure to sell the game Cash Flow, we never yeah. expected yeah. it to take on a life of its own. Sharon, you broke kids. the post office. My God. Yeah. So. <laughs> Pivot, right? Technology advancement and boom, Amazon. Amazon, yeah. What did that do? So how did that impact? I mean, we know it positively impacted, right? The sales for sure. But what was that like and what what was involved with that? Well, we had several booms along the way. We continued to sell, and and we ended up getting to the New York Times and Wall Mm -hmm. Street Journal and back then Business Week lists on our own. But then we couldn't... um, really satisfy the demand and we had oprah in april of 2000 oprah Oprah was the first big exponential increase i still remember her coming up to me after the show saying well that should be good for a million books and uh, and she was right (laughs) yeah she's right and then of course the next big step is having it available on amazon and online barnes and noble which of course just took us you know through the roof because it allows people to access it from wherever they were well, I don't know if this show's good for a million books. We might be able to get a couple out here, slang a, slang a couple books out off this show. But um, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get to that Oprah level one day. Um, well, why financial literacy? Why the cash flow game? I know that we talk a lot about cash flow in here. Why, what led you to financial literacy? Thanks for that question, because it really is my passion for several reasons. One is when I got into public accounting, I started seeing how companies were really successful. And probably more importantly, I saw how many companies failed, what they did wrong. And I realized that there was a basic fundamental premise people have that they had to 
work for money, exchange time for money. Mm. And that is a fallacy, but that's what we're teaching our kids in school. If instead of spending your time for money, if you invest your time to buy, build, or create assets that generate money, that's the pathway to financial freedom. Oh. And I, the, the, more, the older I got, the more I realized how few people understood that concept. And so my favorite word on earth, assets. Hmm. My, my famous, most favorite phrase on earth, assets are sexy. Ah. Assets are sexy. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, it's like I heard this saying uh, before, like, who's is a question. Who's wealthier? Someone who makes a million bucks and spends every dime of it or somebody who makes $30,000 and only spends half of it. Who's wealthier? Oh, wow. Well, I, I have an answer to that because my definition of financial freedom is when the income from your assets exceed your monthly expenses. Right. And it does not have to be millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great. Mm -hmm. No, it does not. That is so good. 100%. All right. So let's talk now where where the okay actually i want to talk to you about a conversation i heard in club clubhouse one of the first times i heard you speak in breakfast with champions robert kawasaki actually was in the room at the same time and i was like i was hearing an exchange and a conversation happening and i'm not sure i i heard it correctly and so i wanted to clarify with you what was actually being said he seemed to be in that conversation to be giving you a lot of the credit Right, because I know that you you guys co-authored authored the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right, is that correct? We were equal partners for the ten years we were partners, and we wrote fifteen books together. And I was the CEO of the company. I had already built the children's talking book industry, the kids' books with the sound strip on oh, the yeah. side. Yeah, with the inventor of that, and we I started that in nineteen eighty seven, and sold it in ninety one, and we. Um, we're able to go around the world. I learned so much about publishing, about manufacturing, about power of association, because we had this new technology. And back then, kids, I know dinosaur days, kids did not have electronics. And so it was like, how could we get parents to treat trust us? And so we did partnerships with little companies like Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street. And um, so that I learned that power of association, and that's what really is such a fundamental element for success. Mm -hmm. And so when I met Robert, he had actually come to see my husband, who's an intellectual property attorney, and he'd walked mm. into his office in his flip-flops and Hawaiian shirt with this idea oh, yeah. for board, board game. And it was drawn out on, on butcher block paper. And I'm the only one that got out of the rat race, but I loved it because it was consistent with what I was teaching. Um, because of the importance of teaching people the um, the importance of buying, building, creating, income producing assets. And so I volunteered to help him commercialize the game just as a friend. And in the process, he told me he was going to charge $200 for it. And I said, well, that's kind of pricey. We're talking 1996 yeah. for a board game. And yeah, I said, maybe you should write a brochure to explain your philosophy. And that's when he asked me to become his partner. And we wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, intending that to just be a brochure to sell the game. Wow. <laughs> and Things what a brochure it was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then people wanted more. So all of a sudden, well, okay, we'll write a trilogy. We wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, Rich Dad's Guide to Investing, expecting, okay, done. Oh, no. So we ended up, as I said, 15 books together over 10 years. I launched a second series called Rich Dad Advisors, another dozen books. 
and we just uh, we were able to build around the world over 110 countries over 50 languages yeah. through the power of association so so much success right i mean that you guys were able to achieve and, and find together then so it sounds like after the 10 years or so you guys split ways what what happened there why did you well, end up uh deciding to part well, success and money just brings out more of who you really are. And after 10 years, he, we did not have the same alignment as to what we wanted. He wanted to go into franchising, which was a great model for us, not a good model for the franchisees. So it made, I made the decision I needed to leave. And, I, and yeah. I, I, share, I share this only because sometimes you have to close a door for That's other right. doors to open. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to close yep. a door in your life Hit to allow that. space for new opportunities. And if I had not made that decision to leave Richjet, I wouldn't have gotten the call from President Bush. And I had the honor of being on the first presidential advisory board for the financial literacy. And I served both President Bush and President Obama. Had I not made the decision to leave Rich Dad, I wouldn't have gotten the call from the Napoleon Hill ah, Foundation mm. to, and asked to reinvigorate the teachings of Napoleon Hill in 2008. And we know what was happening to the economy in 2008. And it's been an incredible relationship. I wrote Three Feet from Gold, Outwitting the Devil, Think Grow Rich for Women, Success in Something Greater in cooperation with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. So I challenge everybody particularly when you're out there seeking employment, is pay attention to who you are, what you want, and how you're spending your time. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you have to close the door for other doors to open. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot of the success has created and opened other doors, up other markets mm -hmm. for you to serve. And uh, that's what I like about what most business does, yeah. I love that. So, okay, so... You left the, the uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad organization, uh, all of a sudden you're getting calls from the president, like, okay, what did that look like working with President Bush really? and President Obama? Like, first of all, why did they call you, number one? I mean, well, we know why, because you're the expert, but what did they bring you in <laughs> specifically to do? And then what was the result of it? Well, great question. I had, um, there were probably 18 to 20 of us on the council, depending on um, which president I was under. And I was the only true entrepreneur. There were a lot of government officials, a lot of high level corporate individuals. Oh. Um, Charles Schwab was on the council with me. And of course, yes, he was an entrepreneur, but this was well after he was into the billions of dollars. So I was the one that was carrying the, the steed to make sure that it wasn't just personal savings, understanding, compounding interest, but that we had to really also teach the power of entrepreneurship. And um, I was a very, while I was there, the, we passed the Credit Card Act of 2009. And I got into, my passion was really solidified when my oldest son went off to college and got into credit card debt. Uh, and this okay. was 1992. He went to school and there were tables, free pizza, free money, free t-shirt, free money. He had, a, <laughs> he had a really good time his first semester in college. I bet so. He came home December of 92 and asked us to bail him out, and we said no. And that's when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy, financial education, entrepreneurship education. So that was 92. This is 90, you know, this is 2009, and we passed the Credit Card Act, which prevents credit card companies from soliciting college students right, on campus. Right. That's a mic drop and right so, there. there it is. Is.
Yeah, that was that, that was a predatory practice for sure. Yep. Yeah, and I can't take credit for the bill, but I can take credit for being a very squeaky wheel about the need for it. <laughs> well, and didn't that act also prevent certain things from happening, like overcharging on um, late fees and things like that? There are a lot of things yes. that actually were part of that. So, yeah, yes. man, what an awesome piece of work uh, to your Yeah, those credit card companies, boy, I tell you what. <laughs> well, yeah, get in there and get you. Yeah. So, what was it like? I mean, being in that kind of arena, right? I mean, was it intimidating? And and then what was the the uh, I guess the next step after that then for you? Well, I teach a lot about fear. Fear can be intimidating. It can paralyze you or it can motivate you. Right. And I have trained myself many many years of living in fear to turn it into energy. And so I don't like the word intimidating. I want that to be energizing. So um, it's energizing. And yes, you have to do the work. You have to earn the right. But when you asked me the question about after leaving Rich Shed, this allowed me to establish who I was and my brand and my presence. I was no longer just related to the building Rich Dad. I could stand in my own power and be who I am. And everybody watching and listening, you are perfect just the way you are. God created you. You're the only one he created like Amen. you. Amen. So stand, stand, yeah, stand in your own power and establish who you are, what you stand for, and be authentically you because that's what we want to see. Do you want to tell them a little bit about the book while we're, while we're giving it away? Absolutely. Exit Rich was released um, in June of this year. I'm very excited about it because so many people, when you start a business, do you start a business to work until the day you die or do you start a business to build something that's successful to provide for your family and maybe get your time back? Everybody says the second one, Mm -hmm. but 99% of you build the first one. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's true. Because you you, you build a job, not a business. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so I wanted to pull together the elements that you need to do to build not just a successful business, but one is sustainable and scalable and saleable, whether you sell it or not. Have the systems. So we talk about the six Ps in the book, your people. Do you have the right people on your team? Do you have the right advisors, the right mentors? Do you have people who are strong where you are weak? Right, your product. Do you have enough product? Do you have do you have products that can go in different industries, different geographic reason, regions, and processes? The business systems. It's so much easier to manage a system than personalities. Right. Boy, that's you true. Your proprietary, your intellectual property, intangible asset. The vast majority of the value of your business is intangible. It's not on the books. And it's what you've created, your unique selling proposition, your competitive advantage. And I show you how to identify that, how to strengthen it, how to protect it, and then how to leverage it. And then your patrons. And this one is very important for everybody right now because we talked about connecting all our channels, right? Trevor, well, yep. your patrons, your data is your database. Yes, you want to be all over in social media. That's your lead generation, but you don't own them. Instagram, Facebook, they can turn you off. They can turn you, you want off. To, you want to be out there and you want to be nurturing and, and, and really building your reputation, but you want to invite them home. You want to invite them back to your database, entice them, giving them something so that you can have them in your database. It increases the valuation of your company mm. and it gives you the ability to continue that ongoing lifetime relationship with your customer. Cool. And 
And then the sixth P is profits. So if your profits aren't where they're supposed to be, it's because one of those other P's is out of whack. And I want to support you and show you how to create the most successful, sustainable, and scalable company possible. And mm. I do that in Exit Rich. My friend Steve Forbes says it's a gold mine for entrepreneurs. I want to say we Wall Street Journal bestseller. We hit USA Today. It's very exciting. Now I want to know about the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Talk to me about that and what you did for them. Well, thank you so much, Trevor. Yes, I, I read Thinking Grow Rich when I was 19 in college. I didn't realize <laughs> the impact it would have on my life until I was probably in my 30s. But I had met Don Green, who's the CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, during book fairs because we were kind of in the same field with Rich Dad and Napoleon Hill. So I made a point of getting to know him just because I loved Thinking Grow Rich so much. And when he found out that I had left Rich Dad, he called me because it was March 20th, 2008. I just found the slip the other day and he <laughs> he wanted to reinvigorate the teachings of napoleon hill because most youngsters and of course my definition of young keeps getting older most people under I the know, age of 50 uh, yeah. didn't remember who he was didn't know who napoleon hill was didn't had never heard of think and grow rich and they knew his work if you said pay yourself first or there's nothing to fear but fear itself or the law of attraction those are all things that came originally from napoleon hill mm. but they didn't know him and so they wanted to reinvigorate his teachings during the economic collapse of 2008 and so I stepped in um, to a project called three feet from gold and that was our my first book with a foundation that yes. was great fun and in that we talk about the personal success equation which really has become the basis of everything I teach now and it's combining your passion and your talent and your passion can be what you love or what you hate. I was mad we weren't teaching kids about money in school. So my passion and my talent, my years as a CPA, my years in publishing, and most of us stop there because we think we have to do it on our own. And really, success comes from combining your passion and your talent with the right association. That's why your show is so important to people. Finding that association, finding people can help you open doors, get you to where you belong, get, have the right mentor, have the right resources. People have skills that can support you. And then times A, taking action. Mm. How often do we know what we're supposed to do? We just don't do it. No. And, Amen and to that. The, fi the final <laughs> element is plus F for faith. Having faith in yourself, All having right. faith in what you're doing, having faith that it's needed and necessary, and having faith that you will succeed. And I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one mentoring. And usually I take, well, I take everybody through that formula, and it's usually the power of association and their faith or self-confidence that need the most work. And you know what? They go hand in hand. When you have the right people around you, you have the right mentor, you have the right resources like your show, your self-confidence comes up because you're not trying to do it alone. Business is a team sport, whether you're an employee or a business owner. It's not what you do for your paycheck. It's what you do with your paycheck. Oh, it's look at determine that. There your it is. Yes. Wait, okay. So all of that, hold on, because you speak in my language. All of that was in three feet from gold. Is that what that book is? Whew, yes. I, I got to get that one. Wow. Because mm, we've talked about on this show before, we've referenced that the title of your book, we've referenced it before three feet from gold, because we've talked about how a lot of times these job seekers are, you know, they're applying, 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 and they're really close to that next opportunity. But sometimes we'll give up on themselves before getting mm -hmm. like they won't follow up enough times. Maybe they've only maybe they only followed up one time. Mm -hmm. Right, right before it was it was supposed to happen, three feet from gold, they quit on themselves. Right, uh -huh. right, right. Yeah, just right before they're 
Yeah. Breaking it. So yeah. close. So Tracking close. Goals. Yeah. And You're Sharon, only one I'm conversation away. Yeah. And uh, and I see a lot of that. A lot of times we wonder what happened. We were doing so good. What happened to the cl- the candidate? You know, they, we assume that they got another job, but you know that's not always the case. Mm-mm, not you know, always. That F that I say we need that's called faith, mm. their F is fear. Yeah. Oh. And that fear, fear does one of two things. It paralyzes us or motivates us. Mm. And most of us, that fear paralyzes us. So all of a sudden we start thinking, well, they haven't called me yet. I'm not good enough. Oh, my gosh. You know, the embarrassment sets in. <laughs> and that, that fear is what prevents us yeah. from realizing the success that we deserve. And that's actually such an important part of, of sh- being a mentor to other people to get them to identify and recognize that fear. That's so my number one every single day as I do one-on-ones every single day. Same Sharon, here. Same Sharon. Here. So, you know, you had a really, really great statement, and it's about working and spending, right? And so a lot of our job seekers or our audience is is job seekers, right? People that are in career transition. What are what are some of the things that you might offer to them or, or that you teach, right, for people that are, you know, looking at unemployment or employment and finances, finances and employment? Well, I think it's really mm-hmm. important, number one, is to figure out where you are. A lot of times we put our head in the sand, and even though we don't have a job, we're still spending at the same level we were before. Mm-hmm. And so we, mm-hmm. we have to recognize, where am I? And sometimes the picture is bleak. But even taking the action to analyze where you are gives you that power to realize you've done something. And then to set those goals and to have you know, understand what it is that you need and how, what, what can you convert into an income producing asset. You know, in the world today, bringing in a roommate. I have a, um, go to my website, info at Sharon Lecter, email me. We've got 30 ways to fast cash, all right? Things that you can do to help you earn that money. If you believe in someone else, find somebody that has an affiliate program and help promote them and so that you can start getting some cash flow while you're looking for that job. Understanding, you know, what happens is we just get paralyzed. We do nothing and we just make the situation work. Oh my goodness. Oh, Stan, you are so speaking my language. So what you didn't know, I didn't tell you this, but Mark and I are in the financial services industry and we, you know, we talk to job seekers a lot about, you know, what they're going through on the financial side of their job loss. And you're absolutely right. A lot of people put their head in the sand, right? They don't take the time to to sit down and analyze where they are. Now, those that do, okay, it gives them, um, it, it, it puts a lot of that fear to bed, right? Because they have at least a picture of where they are and they know where they need to get to. Right. But if you don't know, you have that uncertainty, you've got a lot of things going on, your job search, and you don't know when you're going to get back to your cash flow. It's a, there's a fear and it's a financial fear. A paralyzing. It, it, it paralyzes yeah, them fear. and keeps them stuck. So you're totally And, and it makes you sick. You know, oh, yeah. That financial fear, it, I call it your own personal rototiller. It just makes you sick to death. And oh, yeah. you, I'm hearing the, the, uh, the, par- the, the parable of the sore in what you guys are talking about right now. Yeah, I love it. So, okay, let's talk about... Um, uh, we've talked about the power of association. Okay. What? Actually, you know what? Let's dive a little bit deeper into that because that's really what this show is about. The power of association. It's about networking, getting mm-hmm. closer to people. Who you know. Connecting. It's all about who you know. Who have been some people in your journey to 30 million books sold, 
Okay, besides Oprah, because we, you know, she sold a million bucks just like that, right? But besides Oprah, like, who's been some people in your journey that have really made an impact? Yeah, to, to you, uh, in your in your story. Well, so many. I mean, it's just as countless. Right. I'm always seeking people that um, have bigger and larger um, domains and experiences than I do to learn from. And that's, we, you know, we, we want to continually being curious. If you think about school, our kids are curious. They build forts and pirates out of blanks and pillows, blankets and pillows, and then they go to school and they're taught conformity. So we end up teaching right. conformity and all of a sudden our curiosity, our creativity gets stifled. Mm. Then we get a job and we get comfortable and then we get wow. complacent. Then we have a crisis and that crisis throws us into chaos. And how do we get out of chaos? By becoming curious and creative again. And so I always want to stay curious. I always want to challenge myself. I always challenge everybody. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Mm. Yeah, I love that question. When's the last time you did something for the first for time? The first Tell time. us in the chat. I want to hear what it was that you did for the first time. How about you, Sharon? When 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 was the last time you did something for the first time? And what was well, it? Well, um, yes, last weekend I, I we had a business retreat and I had some girls there that shot guns for the first time and we had an auto, a semi-automatic that I shot oh my for the first time. Was it? Oh, okay, hold what? on, hold on, because I know I know you run with the car nodes. Was it Elena? Were y'all out busting gaps? No, no, oh, no okay. we, have, we, we own our own ranch. Mike and I have our own ranch here in Arizona. We've owned it for 16 years. So. All right, I just know, she, she, oh, I know, yeah. I, I know yeah. she's a shooter, a professional shooter, actually. Right, yep. right. I'm sure I, I'm a pretty darn good shot, but I bet she probably can top me because she's been doing that uh, in competitions. So. Well, okay, your Mark, what's the last on that one? What's the uh, last time you did something new? Man, something new. Well, I mean, I have three kids, three young, young, young boys, so it's almost like uh, could be every day. But um, <laughs> I think. Uh, probably the last time I did something new, uh, while you're thinking about that, about that. I, mine was uh, video marketing world. So I emceed a conference ah, yeah. and I never emceed a conference before and totally out of my comfort zone, totally had me afraid for like two months. I lost sleep about it. I was preparing for it. I was like, but I crushed it. Like I absolutely crushed it, but it was like. It was and, and how did you feel about yourself when you were done? Oh, I'm like, I can do anything now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel so confident, right? Because I could do it, you know? But it did. It, 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 it was terrifying. I was paralyzed for two months. I lost sleep over it, you know? And, yeah, he um, was scared. I was. But it I doesn't it. matter how accomplished we are. We get to that point where things can become complacent. So you always want to challenge yourself to do something that you that's new and new experience. Absolutely. Well, let's see. Let's see in the audience. Uh, let's see. I've done a lot of firsts this year. Linda S says. Linda says she's done a lot of firsts. Tell us what was your first. What did you do, Linda? I want to know what was that thing that you did. Yeah, I had a first. It was pretty cool. Foster, what about you? Well, it was last weekend. No, weekend before last. I took a trip to Atlanta, Sharon, and right. um, it was fun because the the opportunity through experience, the opportunity opened up for me to uh, expand. I didn't know I was going to expand the network. We're in 27 states now, and I uh, went there to meet with a bunch of people that do what I do, and uh, it just automatically, I mean, God blessed it. 
and we all have the same spirit. We want to help, and we put ourselves out there just to help. And people are like, wait a minute, is there a cost to this? Or what? You know, everybody's worried about it. And we're like, look, we're here to help. That's our blessing. We're here to help, and God takes care of everything else. Believe me, guys, when I say that. That's that faith. That's that faith part That's of it. That's that faith that Sharon was talking about. Absolutely. So Linda asks in the comments, she says um, that she was the summer camp lead cook in another state, walked 16.5 miles locally, learned in, um, what is that figured, acryls. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But uh, So I love that. So she, she was the lead cook. Acryls. What's that? Accruals. Accruals. Yeah. Look, you know I can't read. Come on, man. You know I can't read. <laughs> Sharon's like, oh no, I gotta fix this boy. He doesn't Sharon read books. knows about accruals. <laughs> can I get you can I get your books on audio? Yes, you can. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. So I know I I've got my answer. So for the first time, um, my kids like to ride around on their little bikes and big wheels and scooters and things like that. And so Uni got an adult scooter. Oh, and she's been riding around with them. So she's like, well, I'm always walking, right? Or whatever, or riding one of the kids. <laughs> so, so I got an adult scooter and I've been riding that around. I was riding that around with the, with the boys. Oh, so. you got to take a picture. I got to do that. Riding around on an adult scooter, adult a kick scooter. scooter yeah. Don't break your foot yeah. again. No, I'm trying to break, break your foot oh, again. I yeah, I, I'm, yeah, apparently I'm fragile, I guess. You are so. fragile. You are fragile. <laughs> He got a nickname, Sharon, out of, well, out of this I, I do want to tell you, every time I ask that, it is hard for people to remember. And that's why I just want to trigger the thoughts of yeah. we need to always step outside our comfort zone. And because it, it's what the spice of life is, is how you expand your network and you expand people and say, what can I do to step outside my comfort zone? Right. So we talked earlier about fear because I, I like to talk a lot about comfort zone and fear and all those those things. And. Uh, you mentioned fear and how it can be paralyzing. What do you what steps or advice would you give to somebody who is paralyzed? I would like to oh it's not sitting here okay my book outwitting the devil mm. which was a huge opportunity for me. Napoleon Hill wrote it back in 1938 38. as a, intending it to be the sequel to Think and Grow Rich but the title scared his wife to death. And mm. it was locked away in a vault for 73 years. Golly. And Don, Don Green sent it to me and said, I need your advice. And I literally looked at this that had been typed on a manual typewriter with handwritten notes from the Napoleon Hill. I was only the fourth or fifth human to see this manuscript. And within a couple of hours, it transformed my life. And it talks about how we allow fear to stop us, fear of criticism, fear of poverty, fear of old age, fear of loss of love, and that fear, 98% um, of us allow fear to hold us back. And um, it introduces the concept of drifting, which means going with the flow. All right, whatever, not having control of our own mind. And the book is an interrogation of the devil. And in the book, Napoleon Hill says, you can believe I'm talking to the real devil or an imaginary devil. Will you derive any benefit from it? And in it, it goes into the thought process of how 
he, he, Napoleon Hill addresses every taboo there is, sex, politics, religion, education, alcohol, um, cigarettes, even before cigarettes were known to be bad for you. He was talking about how he gets kids uh, derailed from where they are, want to go um, by taking control of their mind. And it's about taking control, being a non-drifter, knowing what you want, having the power of thought. Um, Michael Beckwith wrote the afterward for me. I said, I need a little bit of minister coverage there and <laughs> it was it's been an incredible book it's been hugely successful and it's helped people take control of their fear and turn it into faith i always say fear is false evidence appearing real it's the enemy's way of keeping you isolated stuck paralyzed keeps you from from your calling your your purpose the enemy wants to lie kill and destroy he wants to just destroy you right so like yes. i talk about this all the time and i i just love like, it's the book outwitting well, the devil get, and you have to you have to get the audiobook because i made them get two different actors and the devil's voice is low and oh. grovelly and it's amazing and in the book he talks about how to get through this fear and definiteness of purpose understanding what you want having a goal moving forward with that um, understanding learning from adversity all right we mistakes happen but they are occurrences not definitions mastery over self discipline you know, you make the, you make the decision you're going to take action, and then controlling your environment. What are you allowing in your mind? What are you allowing to get into your space? Mm. All right. Make sure you surround yourself with people that are positive, people who want to support you, not people that want to pull you back. Right. And then control over your time. Are you investing your time in your future? Or are you spending time and letting it? That's the, our only precious resource. You can make money, lose it, and get it back. Once time is gone, it's gone. Mm. And so the, the, the whole premise about winning the devil is to take control of your own mind and set forward and, and really to succeed at the level of success that God intended you to. Wow. There's a reason why uh, you've sold 30 million books. All of that info is just so crucial like it's just amazing you're speaking my language so much it's true mm -hmm. so i've got mm -hmm. a, a one little last question before we get into uh the last giveaway for the audience um so i got to meet you in breakfast with champions glenn lundy's room i'm, I'm one of the regular hosts there tuesdays 7 to 8 a.m central time and that's where i met you um and there's a lot of like-minded individuals in that room and that's why, like, when you start talking, like, you're just speaking my language. That's why I love it so much. What is your favorite thing about Breakfast with Champions and what Glenn Lundy has done? What What is it to you that, that makes you come back? Because I see you in there all the time. Well, it is a, it's a great platform, all of Clubhouse, and certainly Breakfast with Champions is one where you have the opportunity to hear from people that you might not otherwise have access to. Mm. And um, it, it is a prime example of the power of association mm. because you get to learn from people that might not otherwise be able to get on stage, but they have the opportunity. They're being brought up on stage to share something, and they may be exactly who you need to meet. Mm. And so it really is a, is a, is a fertile field of associations and people can share their wisdom and can support each other and it's a great way to learn what's you know that 
do what you've never done for the first time and that's learn from somebody new and and be able to access them through instagram and learn something that help you take yourself forward love it so it's uh it's who you know on steroids <laughs> it's networking it's connection it's relationship building it's all of that like to the next level that's why and it's I... and a celebration Straight. yes and no lipstick required. I know that's a big <laughs> one for you. Yes, yeah. yeah no video. <laughs> well, I want to give uh, Glenn Lundy a quick shout out and um, congratulate him on this show because Glenn Lundy just had his thousandth episode of Hashtag Rise and Grind. Thousandth episode. So congrats on that. And wow. here's, the, here's the remarkable thing about that. We were talking before the show. We started the Who You Know show. And the hashtag Rise and Grind show started at the exact same time. same time, January 2018. And Glenn Lundy is a machine. He put a thousand episodes on the board, a thousand. Every single day, he's been doing this show. Every day, a thousand episodes. We're on 288. Yeah, that puts it well, into Well, once a week, every day, I well, mean, you know, economy but, of scale. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That yeah. guy's just a, a, a beast yeah, every a day beast. for the past four years. It's amazing. So shout out to him. Uh, congratulations on uh, hashtag rise and grind in your thousandth. And final episode, he's moving on to uh, it's it's morphing and things are changing. And so I'm excited. Yep, for that him. will happen. Thanks for listening to the Who You Know Show podcast. My name is Trevor Houston, and if you've enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing wherever you listen and leave us a positive review to help us keep the mics on in the studio. Until next week, that's the show. It's all about who you know.